Hello, everyone, and welcome to Enablement Amplified. I'm your host, Fiona Simpson. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Enablement Amplified. On today's show, we have none other than Steph White. Steph, hello. How are you doing? Hey, you know what? Honestly, this is the end of my day, and I'm so excited. I got all amped up when I remembered I was going to be talking to you and digging into our spicy question today. Go ahead and introduce yourself to our audience for those that aren't familiar. Obviously, they've been living under a rock, but that's okay. We'll fix that. Go ahead and introduce yourself, and then we'll jump into that spicy, spicy question you brought us. (laughs) (laughs) So hello, everybody. Stephanie White. I am Senior Director of Revenue Enablement at a company called Lubio. I am in the camp of former marketer turned seller, turned, you know, sales leader, ops person, customer success person. (laughs) All the hats. (laughs) Yeah, all the hats. And then I moved into enablement about seven years ago. And this is like, you know, the crowning chapter, I like to call it. (laughs) It turns out that enablement is all these wonderful things coming together. Exactly. I, I feel the same way. Most people know I came from CS background and didn't know why I kept getting yelled at by the sales team to come help them do things and then finally figured out that there was this thing called enablement. So it is, it's the coming together of all the things. And and speaking of that, I think that's actually a great segue into you sharing with us what what if question you brought for the show. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So as we talk about all our customers and stakeholders and all the things we do, okay, here's my what if question. What if only enablement decided what enablement was going to work. It would be so amazing is what it would mean. We were putting out fires all day. Um, but but let's unpack that a little bit more because I think all of us in enablement are like, oh my God, that would be amazing. But beyond that, why would it be amazing? So I guess to start with, what brought you to this question or how did you start thinking on what if? Like, what would that look like? How did how did you get there? What's happened for you that that drove this question? Yeah. So, I mean, this is probably going to resonate with a lot of people. We all very publicly will gather around our virtual fires and say reactive <laughs> enablement is bad. Proactive enablement is good. Be strategic. Drive alignment. No, no, no. To like quick hit, just push it out. It's good enough projects. No more random acts of enablement. Right, right. And we all say this, but I think, like, here's the reality of what a lot of us have been facing this year in particular. If you work in SaaS, especially, it was like, ship it, ship it, ship it. Listen, maybe there was a riff or a restructure. Now I need you to do this. Or, you know, it's getting more and more competitive this year between you and the number one person that you're up against. And price is something you don't want to go down a swinging battle on. So product functionality and features, release, Mm -hmm. release, release. And Mm -hmm. all of a sudden enablement is now like, you know, I'm spending 60% capacity this month. And this actually happened not too long ago for my team. 60% of my team's enablement capacity went to product training for our sales team. Ooh, that's a lot. It's a lot. And it's not the norm. We had our big, you know, product summit and release. So there was a lot of good work that needed to be done. And it was the highest priority for the business. But here's the thing. All that good proactive stuff that we knew we needed to work on, that we identified, 
that we strategized, that we came up with metrics for, all that good stuff, then had to go on the back burner. Mm-hmm. And it got me thinking, right? So many enablers are connectors, supporters, coaches, people pleasers. We try to do all the things that help drive revenue. Mm-hmm. What if only we were putting things on our to-do list? How would that look, feel, and show up differently to drive different impact for the business? Yeah, yeah. And, and it almost, the my follow-up question in the back of my mind, because I think a lot of us are in this boat is, how would we get away with that? How how would we even be able to convince someone that that was okay? Because I'm like, mm, it's up. It should be up to us, but is it really up to us? And how does that flow? So, I guess the next, maybe not obvious question, but the next thing that comes to mind besides like, oh my gosh, that sounds very naughty, <laughs> is is. When that happens, right, when our plans take the back seat, when all the great things we outlined at SCO get thrown to the wayside, what's the downstream like negative effect? What's the cost of that taking place? Because I think answering that question helps us show revenue leaders that our plans are actually going to make an impact and we shouldn't just burn it all down because something popped up over here. Yeah. So... You know, this is always the question, cool, but how are you going to do that? From my perspective, when we get caught in these, let's call them reactionary, for lack of a better term, reactionary moments or phases in our enablement programs and teams, a lot of it is because of quick wins, the business. Mm -hmm. And while quick wins are important and low-hanging fruit is important to find the balance, you know, I liken this to the analogy of, Forgive me here, Fiona, but come along the ride. You know, <laughs> I love a good analogy. Diet. Don't worry. Right? Like the crash diet. diet. Like, yep. We've all been there. You know, it's the, it's the dress that you need to wear this weekend for the event of the thing. It's a little tight. And you're like, cool. I'm going to have a spinach salad with a vinaigrette for lunch today, and it's going to fit tomorrow, and that's fine. It's a short-term fix. But here's the problem. If today and tomorrow and the next day, all you're having is spinach with vinaigrette salad dressing, your short-term fix starts to become your crutch. And then the crutch becomes a dependency and the dependency actually now creates a new need or problem. Mm -hmm. Cannot live on, I'm not a nutritionist, but you cannot live on spinach and vinaigrette. You need to add in your protein to keep you going. You need to have your sugar, you need to have all these things. And so I look at it that it's, When we're doing these reactive enablement moments, it's the crash diet to wear the dress or the suit or whatever it is tomorrow. Yep. But it's not sustainable. And so we need to be thinking about enablement programs as the nutrition and the sustenance that's going to keep our sales team able to hit that race fast today, but also still be in great shape the next week and the next week and the next week. Because in this profession, it's not about, you know, just crash and burn, high peaks, low valleys and sales. We don't want that anymore. Right. We want career sellers who see sales as a craft, who are invested in this. You know, when we think about it, it takes and depends on your product and your industry. But let's just say for argument's sake, it takes three to six months for a tech salesperson to be fully ramped and ready for quota. Like, yeah. quote, performing in all cylinders six months. 
you don't want that crash and burn diet mentality where, you know what, month eight, month nine, all you've been doing is these quick hit training things. Learn product, learn product, learn product, learn product. Because they're going to start to say, well, what does my growth plan look like? And how can I elevate my career here? And so we end up creating this cycle of being short-sighted instead of investing in the nutrition and health of our sellers. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting. Every single episode of this podcast has pointed back to something you just hit on, I think without saying it, but enablement is strategic. It has to be strategic. And when we're strategic, that's when we get to say, this is the long game, guys. We, we're in the war room planning the long game with you all. So you know that those long-term initiatives and those long-term goals are the things we're aligning to in enablement because that's what's best for the business. And I, I think the analogy is spot on, like the crash diet, the putting out the fires, whatever you want to say is the metaphor there. It's not sustainable for the business. It's not strategic. It's reactionary. And we shouldn't, none of us should be in that situation, right? Revenue shouldn't be reacting to, and, and things come up, right? A new competitor hits the scene. A huge deal goes sideways and blows the quarter, whatever. Like those things happen and they will continue to happen, but they shouldn't be the things that derail the train and take us in a completely different direction because of the one incident that leaders want to glom onto and, and decide is, is a problem. So it's interesting because when you get back to the original question of like, cool, but how? Mm-hmm. Well, it's exactly that, you know? Mm-hmm. So, okay, let's say in my case, right? October product summit month, anyone that follows Lupio, you may have attended that or seen the communications on it. Amazing. We all know an enablement and marketing <laughs> departments, the amount of work that would have gone in in six to eight weeks ahead of Okay, awesome. But the day that that summit is over, let's get back to what I like to call our big rocks. Mm-hmm. We set a goal for this quarter that we wanted to launch the beta of a coaching program for one-on-one coaching programs for reps who are looking for promotion opportunities. We put it all on hold for two months because... You know, have your big shebang. Right. Ship it, ship it. Cool. But now let's get back to how are we thinking about the growth and development of our sellers? This was a big rock that we all agreed we need to do. Why? And this is where we tie it back. We identified that we need to retain our top performers. We identified that we need to improve employee experience and morale and all that jazz. We also identified that we need to be able to react quickly and promote fast. So that people who transition from, let's say, a BDR rule to an AE rule, they go from hitting quota in four months to hitting quota in month two. Why? Mm-hmm. Because we've been developing their skill set before day one, they actually see. Mm-hmm. So coming back to it and saying, this was our big rock. Here's why. Here's the metrics we define. This all still stands, right? We all still agree. We want to drive employee experience and all of these things. Amazing. So now my number one priority the day after product summit is let's get back to business. Mm -hmm. And I think that that goes to something you've spoken about before on other podcasts. You've talked about it on LinkedIn, but the idea of people enablement, right, is really what you're getting. I know it's something important for you and the way that you see enablement. So tell us a little bit more about where people enablement sort of takes precedent 
and how the rest of enablement kind of trickles down from there. Because I think it's a little bit turning the enablement model on its head for a lot of people. So tell us about the way you do it, Steph, because I think it's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I really just, I found myself thinking about it not too long ago in the last couple of years. I was in a brainstorm session and we were talking about leading and lagging indicators. And I had this really simple, but so apparent light bulb moment. And I was like, are you kidding me? We've been measuring and focusing on the wrong thing. And the other people in the mm. conversation kind of went, wait, why? You didn't articulate the rest of your thought out loud. I'm not along for the ride. I don't know what you're referring <laughs> to. Um, and I was like, if we focus on sales enablement or revenue enablement, that's the lagging indicator. On mm. a time we've enabled revenue, that ship has sailed. If all we're doing is focusing and measuring red venue, that's our lagging indicator. What comes before that and before that? What are our leading indicators where we can actually make the biggest impact by getting there early? And that's when in the span of about five seconds, I just had this moment and I was like, guys, it's people enablement. I what always say our job as enablers is to make sellers better at their job. And if they're better at their job on the front ends, all the other things come with it, right? Faster ramp time, better quota attainment, more people going to President's Club, growth for the company, obviously. But yeah, if, if we do that, if we make our sellers better at doing their job and their career path and all of those other things, you nailed it. Everything else comes with it. And that's just where I got to. It was like, okay, we still measure revenue and win rates and, you know, average sales price and all that jazz because that's important. But how do we get ahead of that so that we can catch early warning signs early, but better than that, that we can also find new opportunities early. And so it slowly started creeping earlier and earlier where now we look at things like employee engagement and I'm looking at, you know, and conversational recording tools are great for this. Hearing the tone and engagement and energy level in people's voices. There's always an off day. We all have days where like, I'm not great as a brand ambassador today. That's okay. But I inherently believe that people have a magic sparkle about them. <laughs> and it's what they're naturally great at. And our jobs in enablement it is to find out what fuels people and what drains them. Mm-hmm and amplify those things, you know, very, very, you know. <laughs> Apropos for enablement amplified, I love exactly. it. Exactly. But how do we amplify the things that they are naturally great instead of focusing on the opportunities that they have to be better? Let's give them more opportunities to shine in the way that they're amazing. They're going to be more motivated, more energetic, more engaged, positive morale for the team. They're going to be more invested in the success of their leader, the team, all that good stuff. And to your comment, the rest of that all starts to come afterwards. So when you focus on the people up front and you support them so that they can support the business, the dollars close. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I'm gonna ask a, a deep dive question and then we'll zoom back out for a minute, but digging into this a little bit further, when we're in situations where enablement teams are shrinking or that that team of one or 
things are moving so quickly that it's hard for us to keep up. What are those ways that we can preserve our line in the sand? And how do we continue to move forward with the things that drive the business? When it sounds like people enablement is a really fluffy thing, you know, and we're only one team and we have all these sellers or we have whatever the situation may be. Like when the headcount is scarce on the enablement side, how do we keep ourselves focused? I don't have the perfect answer for this. I think I've been living in my people enablement mindset for <laughs> probably about two years. And I would say it evolves. And really the thing there is any people enablement activities. Yes, some people call it fluffy. That's cool. That's fine. I'm Canadian. It comes with the territory. All of those programs start with a why. So we need to retain our top performers. Cool. Why? Mm -hmm. Well, because they drive the most revenue for the cost of the employee. And it's expensive to replace them. Right. Cool. Why do they drive the most revenue? Well, because they're most efficient and effective in this. Cool. Why, why, why? When you tie your people enablement focused initiative to KPIs that matter to the business up front, mm -hmm. that gives you the link to stand on through the program. Because when you get to the root of the why, so if we use that example and we say, people are expensive to replace, getting somebody at top performance level is a 12 to 18 month investment. And so besides the obvious cost of churn, and you may have to replace them at higher salary, you've also lost that 12 to 18 months of incremental revenue. So, okay, that's our driver, right? <laughs> we've all identified that that is a problem we need to solve for this business because we're losing money. Cool. When I keep tying back to that for my people enablement initiatives, mm -hmm. unless there have been significant changes to the business, i.e., employee churns no longer a problem, in which case, cool. I don't want to focus on that anymore because that metric is no longer as important. Yeah. But as long as you can tie back to the metric and spoiler, most of the time it's revenue related to <laughs> the root of it, that gives you your leg to stand on for your people enablement programs. Yeah, I, I love that it actually is um, very top of mind for me right now because one of our initiatives for, for my team going into next year is tying all of our enablement sessions to what actually our, our people and culture team, our HR team has assigned as the core competencies for our sellers. So we need to tie back any enablement that we're doing to a core competency, because if you think about it, if it doesn't tie back to a core competency for our sellers, why are we doing it, right? So we just have been going through this thought exercise. It's newer for us. So the core competencies have existed, but naming it in our enablement session. Hey guys, today's session focuses on this core competency. Reminder, we're helping you in your career and helping you progress, but also I think going to help us as the enablement team with our leaders to say, hey, you're asking us to do something and we can't see how it fits into the core competencies. What is the why behind this? So very, very top of mind in my world right now as well. So I'd ask you this question, if we can flip the table. Sure. Uh, <laughs> as you think about competencies, competency mm -hmm. programs and alignments, and this is something I do as well, do you work competency development into your charter as one of your core pillars for the year? Mm, that's a great question. And I think it goes back to the bigger question. If enablement decides what our initiatives are, then 
yes, because it's like, it's just, it's like it's self-fulfilling prophecy, right? If we're being asked to move towards competencies and we tie that into our charter and our North Star, if you will, then as we do our programs, they should be aligning to those core competencies. So we're filling the ask that we've been given, but we're also determining how that plays out. If we get to use those frameworks to define our programs, no one can really shoot us down, right? And here's the key on, if we keep with this example and they shared, you know, coaching program that got delayed. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, coaching program, the pain to solve is you want to keep your top employees and you want to have them hit quota faster once they're promoted. Cool. Tying back to the competencies, which by the way, is one of my four core pillars for this year was competency development. That's how I show the incremental success of what my team is working on. Mm -hmm. Because knowing whether they're going to hit quota faster once they're in that AE role could be six, eight, ten months down the road. I need to prove value. So how am I going to do that? Well, in my beta test with the folks that we have in this coaching program, we're specifically coaching them on the competencies to drive their competency level from their current state role to the mm -hmm. ideal state that we want them. Mm -hmm. Then every month I can show leading indicators of success of the program. Okay, we have five people in beta. They move from an average score on, let's say, deal negotiation of mm -hmm. two and a half to three and a half. Anyone who goes into an AE role, we need them at a four out of five. Cool, so we're almost there. Based on that, I need to invest one more month in this program and you should have three to five candidates who are at the competency level that should we have a job opening become available, they should be ready to work. Did you know that Enablement Amplified is an entirely community-generated podcast? What does that mean? It means that the podcast is fully supported by our members who contribute monthly to help with the costs of running a podcast. If you're interested in becoming a member, simply go to enablementamplified.com and click membership. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Now let's dive back in. Yeah. So let's take that step back for a moment. So what would happen if enablement decided what enablement initiatives are? What would it look like? What would the world be like if that really happened? When I'm going to say what, when that really happens. So I have a couple of thoughts on this. I actually asked my team this as well. I said, if only you dictated what you worked on in a month, forget me, forget the rest of the company, what would you focus on? And I found it really interesting because the answers each of them came up with was so closely aligned with what my personal thoughts were, mm. which was I would spend a lot more time on the people more time on the people, working closer to the business, listening to more calls, understanding more pain, and then using data to support the solution for the pain versus starting with data as a reason to drive an innate program. Mm -hmm. And so the first answer was we'd spend more time learning and listening from the sales team themselves. Mm -hmm. Rather than, you know, using third-party data, all that stuff, we'd actually go learn and listen sitting in the calls. And the second piece on that was actually more focus on the customer journey. 
Mm. So as you're listening to the conversations, you're learning not just what the employee is experiencing, but what the customer is getting through as well. And, you know, I thought about those two things and I was like, yeah, it would be more focused on the sellers and on the prospects and customers. Oh, interesting. And I thought the other piece for me was I would spend a lot more time investing in my own learning and development for ways to do things. Yeah. If I didn't have, let's say, eight hours of meetings in a week, some people are like, eight, honey, you don't even know. But uh, let's say it's eight. If I didn't have eight hours of, you know, cross-functional meetings to talk about what people wanted from the team, I could spend that eight hours learning about new tech that's evolving or taking courses. You know, a great one just dropped today from a sales thought leader. Take a three-hour course on prospecting so I can go learn and then determine, is this something I should bring into my company to benefit 50-something sellers? Mm-hmm. Can I, you know, use this and revamp existing training or content that we have? We would invest more time in our own learning to be the force multiplier for the benefit of the business, which again goes back to the people. So I can't help but think if only enablement decided what enablement initiatives were, they would start with people and end with data. Can I throw one more thing on there? Do you think your enablement team would be happier in their jobs and stick around longer and have lower churn and all of the same things that we're doing for our sales team, right? Think about how we feel when we're empowered to drive our own initiatives, when we're the ones measuring the success of them as you were listening to your team and how they responded. The thought that came into my mind is, I would spend more time doing the things I'm passionate about. Yeah. And I think we all know, I think all of the the HR gurus and everybody else will tell you when people are more satisfied in their job and they're doing the things that they are passionate about, they stick around longer, they have healthier lives outside of work, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the byproduct is we also have a way more efficient, effective, long-lasting enablement team. Yeah. So I don't know about, you know, employee retention enablement groups as a result of this. Sure. I would say, though, and the reason why I lit up is because when we talk about people who are in a role that aligns with their true career passion. Mm-hmm. Like, I love enabling. Yes, there's hard days. Yes, there's days. So I'm like, why don't I get commission anymore? That's fine. I, <laughs> I love enablement. But I think when we think about people, and again, enablement's, you know, a little bit of a fuzzy kitten. It's lots of people who are people pleasers, lots of people who really truly care and invest in others. They're high empathy, all that good stuff. Um, they will naturally find new problems to solve more often than not, if given the time and the headspace. You know, I had someone on my team, girl loves data. She <laughs> loves data. If she had nothing on her calendar for three days, I would find her building a deck where she <laughs> covered some insight between Salesforce and Gong and all these other tools. And she's like, ooh, and there's like an 8% differentiation here and there's this here and we could do this. If she didn't have to manage projects and some of the other elements of the role, and I think this is where you were going, she would spend her time in the things that she shines in. 
right? You should get her that coffee mug for the holidays that says freak in the sheets and it's an Excel sheet. <laughs> That's it. And she and would I be think- so happy. She would. And and here's the thing. She would do all of it for everybody on my team that doesn't love the data, right? And there's someone else on my team. Lord love her. She loves training new sellers. And she's so good at it. She's so good at making people comfortable and giving them really actionable feedback. And she loves it. And it's her thing. But here's the reality. You know, jobs are jobs. If every element of what we do was what we wanted to do, we would do them as a hobby. No one would have to pay us for it. And the value that a business gets from us, yes, hopefully aligns with our passions if we're in the right career path. But I think every time we are challenged in a way that can feel a bit tiring or a bit Mm -hmm. draining, Mm -hmm. we talk about shorter term. So in this example, you know, six weeks of crazy work behind the scenes for a product summit, it's a short-term thing. You have a growth opportunity in that. You're going to learn some new things, maybe about data, maybe about engineering, who knows, anything in between. And then I think the key, though, is is rather than a pendulum swing from one extreme to the other, Mm -hmm. we get back to center. And Mm -hmm. if center is focused on helping people do what they do best to drive what's best for the business, then that's a win-win-win for everyone involved. Absolutely. I really like what you just said about that focus, right? That six weeks short-term project, well, maybe, maybe a little out of our comfort zone, maybe out of our lane, whatever it might be. I think the other piece that we forget about is we also establish connections with other people outside of our team and outside of our day-to-day, right? You all were working deeply with the marketing team, the product team, all these other folks, and you're building more bridges and building more connection across your organization, across your own personal network. You're learning from those other people that you don't normally interact with. And if we don't take that away and and go, okay, whatever it might be, now I know who to go to if I have this question, or they really taught me something insightful that I didn't know about our product, or whatever it might be. If we're not attuned to how we use that uncomfortable time to actually get something out of it, we're really missing out, right? Yeah. And, and this is where, you know, it's like an exercise. <laughs> it, it's got to hurt a little bit to be making a difference. Right. Yeah. Right? If you want to build that muscle up, if you want to build your strength and endurance, you got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable because that's your growth opportunity. Now, if you have to run 24 7, you're going to get to exhaustion. And I think this is where we talk about the pendulum. We set center to deliver value for the business and the employee. And that is just your, you know, your perfect ideal state. It makes me excited to think about it. Like this is kind of a brand new way of thinking about enablement structure for me. So my brain is just like firing on all cylinders and it's making me very excited. (laughs) So I I think what we've gotten to is if enablement was decided upon by enablers, we get ahead of our lagging indicators and start focusing on leading indicators. Those leading indicators are very, very people focused. When we execute on people focused enablement, then we have the ability to benefit the business sooner, faster, more efficiently. And we free up our enablement team to focus more on the things that they really want to focus on. 
I don't know if I've ever summarized a podcast that quickly, but it's it's so straightforward and it makes so much sense. Like I wanted to get that nugget in, in a couple of sentences because it's just, why wouldn't we do that, right? And that's part of the, I think why we're here is to start thinking about enablement in ways that seem very pie in the sky at first. And we have these big what if questions and, and that's sort of how we start to think about them. But when we actually look down the microscope and see what these things actually mean, they make sense for everyone. Like you said, it's a win, win, win. So what you all can't see right now, as Fiona was speaking there, I was giving her air punches and then two yes, thumbs up. Yes, yes. It was so perfectly articulated. <laughs> and yeah, this is why I light up at this idea. This is why this is not fluffy. This is why this is not pie in the sky. This is attainable. This does have real measurable business value and impact. And it can happen anywhere. It's just flipping your mindset. I love it. I love it. Well, Stephanie, this has been like, I just feel really good right now. <laughs> I'm just like, I, I'm so happy we've had this conversation because I know I'm going to take a lot of this back with me to my team. I'm going to double down on focusing on those core competencies in our enablement sessions and I'm going to use them to push back on my leaders when they're like, we want this. And I'm like, Point, point at the core competency. Tell me, please. And, you know, on top of that, I know, Stephanie, you're doing all kinds of cool stuff out there. Obviously, you're leading the charge at Leapio. You're all over LinkedIn. But how can we amplify what you're up to? How can we amplify people enablement? Give us a spiel on kind of what you're doing and, and how we can help. Yeah, I mean, so I don't have an ask for me. My ask is that everybody that hears this and that you know, gets excited by this or has more questions, start a conversation about it. That's my ask. It can be with me. Cool. You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm there every day. Every day. <laughs> you and me, yeah. sister. <laughs> but it's like, just have a conversation. I think, you know, Matt Schalzi, at the end of last year, he was like, this is it. 2023 is going to be the rise of enablement. And I'm like, you mean it's the rise of people enablement? Let's do this. Just have a conversation, explore new ways of thinking. And remember that, you know, sales enablement is people enablement, but it's not limited to people on your team. Let's mm. enable each other. Let's enable ourselves and let's enable the teams that we support in our nine to five, but never lose track of what matters most to us in our five to nine. That's the yeah. answer. Okay, I'm getting a little misty eyed now, Stephanie, come on. <laughs> I love it so much. And I know there's also somebody that you wanted to shout out in particular who's doing a lot of cool stuff, who is helping elevate the profession, the voice. Tell us a little bit about who you want to amplify while we all go amplify people enablement. <laughs> love it. So the person I want to select for this is actually a friend who I have a bit of like a professional crush on. That's okay. We can say that. So also named Steph. Steph Benavides is a VP of Enablement and RevOps. What I really admire about Steph, a number of things, but Steph has a ton of experience as, you know, middle manager and directing enablement teams across different industries. And she comes at every single challenge with a passion to drive the business forward. There is no barrier 
that Steph will not overcome through deliberate focus on enabling sellers, like period, full stop. She has such incredible experience. She has such a way of pumping other people up. I laugh, I call her like my spirit animal. When I <laughs> want to, you know, feel super confident going into an executive conversation, I channel my other stuff. stuff. <laughs> and I take that seat at the executive table because we talk about, you know, being strategic and enablement. It starts from the highest levels and we need to be in the first conversations. Steph does an amazing job doing that in her professional life, but she also shares such great experience and advice for folks who are in enablement and ops teams trying to do the same. So awesome. Steph Benavides is the person I've been taking for. Clearly a rock star. Clearly someone we, we all need to keep some tabs on. So we'll definitely link her in the show notes. Stephanie White, it has been such a pleasure talking with you. It always is. Every time we get to chat, it just makes me smile. Thank you so, so much for being here. Thank you for pushing our, our minds a little bit on how we think about our enablement perspectives. And I'm just so glad you came on the show. I'm so honored. Thank you so much for having me. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to leave a five-star rating and comment on your favorite podcast platform. Subscribe to our email list at www.enablementamplified.com to get every new episode delivered right to your inbox. As always, thanks so much for listening. I'm your host, Fiona Simpson. Take care.